Hello, and thank you for joining us today for Frost & Sullivan's latest webinar. Today's event is titled, The Impact of Artificial Intelligence and Medical Imaging. My name is Jalen, and I'm a part of Frost & Sullivan's corporate communications team. Now, before we begin, I would like to go over a few notes with you all. The presentation will include detailed slides, so there is a full screen feature available at the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. You can safely share this briefing at any time via social media, email, or blogs. Today's discussion will also be available on demand shortly after we've finished. And finally, don't forget to submit your questions throughout the session today. Our presenters today are Nadim Daher, Industry Principal for Medical Imaging and Informatics at Frost & Sullivan, and Sid Shaw, Industry Analyst for Visionary Science at Frost & Sullivan. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Nadim. Thank you very much, Jalen, and thank you all for joining us today on this webinar. We're very excited to showcase some highlights of our ongoing research on this extremely uh, exciting topic that is um, artificial intelligence in medical imaging. Um, so in the time we have today, we, we want to put things into context and try to rationalize the, the hype that all of us have probably identified for AI in medical imaging. Then we'll look uh, at the three major opportunities that we've identified uh, for medical imaging um, across the, the image analysis using AI, the cognitive computing uh, applied to medical image processes, and then the embedded AI that's affecting medical imaging equipment. We'll share some uh, patterns that we've observed through our in-depth analysis of this developing space across the competitive ecosystem the investment landscape, as well as the early uh, market adoption patterns that we've started, started to see. We'll conclude uh, with some recommendations for, um, for everyone involved in the field and leave time for a, a question and answers uh, session towards the end. So to put things into context first, it's, it's really a big uh, family of diverse technologies that have been uh, coming together over the last few years. And, and many of these are not new, especially artificial intelligence can be traced back 30 to 40 years uh, ago. Uh, the same applies to machine uh, learning, which is, again, uh, not necessarily a, a novelty. The real uh, disruptor or the real new driver for, for this field is, is deep learning and the use of, of, of neural networks, uh, especially applied to, to imaging across all industries and uh, especially uh, its applicability to medical imaging. So this diagram is very a simplified version, but, but you would have a lot of other technologies like natural language processing and computer vision that cut across these three core components. Um, so what's been happening since 2011, which is when we can probably put uh, you know, the starting point for the big uh, new cycle that we're entering for AI in medical imaging, it's essentially the coming together of three core components and the synergy between the three is what we're witnessing today. So on one hand, there's the technologies which collectively, collectively we, we can call cognitive uh, algorithms. The other essential part is fast computing, which is the ability to process huge amounts of data in a very rapid manner. And here, the development on the computing hardware, computing acceleration, like notably uh, graphic process unit GPUs, uh, has, has been uh, crucial. And then the third uh, 
core component, which is fueling this entire space, is image data sets. And we're lucky enough in medical imaging to have a long legacy, you know, of two to three decades of digitizing data, of, uh, of building big databases in tax archives and in regional um, repositories that are really now becoming uh, gold mines to, to, to analyze and apply in, in cognitive uh, fashion. So the three core uh, opportunities that we'll go through today, the one main, you know, low-hanging fruit, if you may, is the medical image analysis. And this is the one that's really creating the, the, the excitement right now. It's essentially applying all kinds of image analysis uh, tools to our medical images to do anything from automating very heavy, uh, you know, manual intensive tasks that they are done with eyeballing or with, uh, uh, you know, a lot of clicking and a lot of, of uh, time from expensive resources such as radiologists, the other one is accelerating uh, the, the way we analyze and interpret images. And the, the third one is augmenting. So doing more analysis, more uh, quantification, things that we're not necessarily doing today on our images. So that's the deep learning part. The second part, which is at a higher level, so that's getting us outside of the pixels and voxels. This is looking at the workflow, the processes going from end to end uh, for an imaging. Uh, event and applying cognitive um, computing and applications to to this to this uh, overall process, and then embedded AI is when this technology starts getting close, if not within the the imaging equipment, and that's ushering a new generation of of imaging uh, equipment, just like we've seen on in the car industry with the you know the self-driving cars that are coming coming of age. So if we look at things, if we break things by, by uh, across, across the, the image data chain, essentially where this, uh, the various AI technologies are, are applied across um, the creation of data, which is at the modality uh, at the edge, which is right there when an image is reconstructed and, and output by a modality to uh, the on-premise um, application, which is, you know, our PAX workstation, our post-processing workstations, where we analyze and interpret Im image studies, and then cloud-based is, is moving that to the, the server. Most, if not all, of what we're seeing today has been on this on-premise, uh, at this on-premise stage. So we're, we're creating local niche algorithms that are applied to images in the regular um, workplace where we you know we're sitting and analyzing these images the last two to three years have been um, very much about moving a lot of this to uh, servers to clouds in in um, software as a service uh, mechanisms in, in in cloud services um, ecosystems so so that it all becomes much more uh, widely available and also to start doing some continuous learning by leveraging the, 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 the high volume of, of usage of these uh, various algorithms. So, but perhaps the more exciting uh, trend that we're just starting to see now is the move of all uh, of these uh, algorithms and applications closer to the modality, in places before there's any human that's able to, um, to interpret and, and view uh, these images, so the edge applications are really game-changing in some ways. And then what we're 
identifying here as the next frontier where we're very, seeing some very early steps taken mostly at the R&D uh, level of different institutions and very early stage startups is the in-scanner AI and getting um, some of these technologies applied to raw signals, you know, pre-pixels uh, within equipment uh, at, at places where, where we as humans cannot, uh, you know, decipher and cannot make sense of that raw data. <clears throat> so we've um, made a diligent exercise of, of trying to paint the competitive landscape that's been forming uh, around imaging AI. And what's interesting for me as an analyst who's been tracking this field for, you know, over 12 years now is there hasn't, there really hasn't been that kind of rally uh, in uh, imaging uh, since the digitization of, of, of medical imaging. And even that, so the, the inception of PACS and, 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 and digital imaging has not attracted the attention of the big major IT vendors the, the, like Amazon and Microsoft um, and IBM the way that imaging AI has. So these huge, you know, the GAFAM type players are not only um, coming in to support this developing space, they are actually developing their own native uh, solutions and want to play directly in addition to supporting indirect relationships in the field. So this last box is very crowded. The bottom one, in independent software vendors, um, we're tracking as, as some of few, uh, some, some future slides show over 90 uh, different ISVs, all of which have, have developed uh, their own application using uh, convolutional networks and, and, and deep learning essentially uh, across all types of imaging modalities for all types of clinical applications. And uh, the boxes on the top, this is who we consider to be the core, you know, incumbent imaging and informatics vendors. Again, there's not a single one that has not, uh, at least over the last two to three years, that has not ramped up its play, that has not uh, either entered extensively you know, with, with uh, in-house R&D or with an aggressive partnership approach to have a play uh, in this area. So that all serves to really um, ascertain that there's something huge going on here and that things are, are going to, to continue to heat up. Um, so some of the outcomes of our analysis of, of each and every company we've identified in the space, we're showing over the next few slides, so this is a simple metric, the number of, 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 uh, of startups uh, shown by their, the year they, they were founded. And you can see how you know, every year has brought a share of, of additional new startup uh, coming in to the market. In the next version of this slide, when we show the number of applications tied to these different startups is when we will definitely see more of a exponential uh, you know, a hockey stick curve with, uh, due to the fact that these startups, especially, especially those with more than two to three years of existence, they start launching their second, if not third application. And when we start showing, you know, a third curve with the, the approved uh, applications in, in, uh, that, that regulatory uh, bodies in, in some countries have already, you know, green-lighted, is also when another one where we, we, we're starting to show a an, an exponential um, uh, curve uh, shape 
uh, starting around 2013, 2014, when the first approvals came in. So, you know, another simple metric we looked is, you know, where uh, these, these startups have been uh, coming from. And the first uh, few years have very much been about, um, you know, the more most entrepreneurial places on, on uh, in the globe. So the United States was very fast in, 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 uh, in the buildup of this uh, startup community. Israel was one of the very early movers. And what's been very interesting to see just recently is how fast um, China um, and the United Kingdom, to some extent as well, have uh, been ramping up very uh, quickly. So new startups coming out uh, in the last few years from various countries, and, and, and China is the one where we expect to see more and more um, dynamics. As we uh, started looking at the financials of this space, one simple thing we've done is, is diligently uh, adding up together every publicly announced source of investment. And this is just looking at the entrepreneurial type of investors, so venture capitalists, private equity, uh, investment banks, and listing, you know, over, uh, I think, you know, close to 100 of these uh, sort of deals, some of which are already a serious D or E, as you can see here. And when we add it all, all up, it's, it's coming out to over uh, a billion. And when we factor in other types of investment, uh, like in-house R&D by the, the, the different actors in the field, and when we add in M&A activity, of which you know the most noteworthy one is, is uh, that definitely the acquisition by IBM Watson of, of Merge Healthcare, which we all know is very much about imaging AI for a billion dollars. You know, adding all these things up, you know, we're getting close to the six billion dollar mark. So that's a huge investment in, in 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 this field that has yet to pay out, obviously, and that uh, there's a lot of anticipation. But at the same time, you know, if all these investors have been convinced, um, it, you know, it supports the idea that, that, that it's going to pay out indeed. So let's talk a little bit about this, again, low-hanging food, more mature uh, application space, which is image analysis. I'll hand it over to my colleague Sid here to show a couple of our of, of the patterns that we've observed as, as we looked at where and how the different uh, ISVs have, have uh, applied their solution. Over to you, Sid. All right. Thanks, Nadim, and uh, hello, everyone. So in trying to understand the focus of AI applications, uh, we listed out all of the AI companies we identified with solutions for radiology and ophthalmology, but uh, excluding the areas of endoscopy and pathology. For each company, uh, all AI solutions, which were either in development or approved uh, by any regulatory agency globally uh, across the US, Europe, Japan, South Korea, China, Canada, or even Australia were listed. And we've marked June 2018 as uh, the cutoff date for our analysis, considering the continual changes in this field. Now, from a list of uh, 120 odd companies, we've identified more than 90 companies that have AI solutions. And this data was analyzed for various insights. Now, what you see here on this slide and the next one are the two outputs of this analysis. 
On this slide, we have an analysis of the 93 medical imaging AI companies with defined uh, modalities that they focus on. And the applications for AI began with CT as a modality focus. Uh, but as you can see, MRI is catching up now and has been growing in a big way. The largest three modalities are hardly a surprise. Cancer diagnosis relies on CT, MRI, and X-rays. And it's also a major disease of focus for AI applications. So I'll just take it back. And uh, fewer companies focus on other imaging modalities, uh, such as mammography and 3D tomosynthesis, again, for breast cancer, and ultrasound echocardiography for cardiac conditions. Another area that has gained prominence is of fundus imaging, especially because of the interest in it by the giants of Google, Amazon, and even Tencent in China. Even some startups have uh, targeted this area, especially for diabetic retinopathy screening and diagnosis. And a startup recently got the first FDA approval for an autonomous AI system in this space. And it has also been deployed in a big US health system already. General ultrasound is a niche category with some startups uh, as well as imaging equipment makers like the large giants of Philips and GE addressing this modality. In terms of the organ focus, a majority of the 88 companies that are covered in this analysis seem to be targeting a single organ. Now, that's reflective of a cautious approach to gain sufficient expertise in one area first. And let me talk about the major ones here. Unsurprisingly, brain is the most targeted, apart from brain tumors, stroke, and trauma. And other areas are also now being targeted, that is the neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Lungs and breast follow next, breast obviously for breast cancer, and lungs for lung cancer, but also several other areas, uh, respiratory conditions like COPD, uh, interstitial lung disease, tuberculosis, pneumonia, and others. Now, currently, the heart follows next with a cardiovascular disease focus, but in the coming few years, uh, we expect it to leapfrog over the others to gain a higher spot in this ranking, owing to an increasing number of companies looking at developing solutions for the cardiac area. And with that, I'll hand it back to you, Nadim, for taking us through the rest of the slides. Thanks, Sid. That's very interesting. And I do think we're starting to see here a pattern where, um, you know, the entrants have, have been, as you said, cautious, uh, you know, trying to uh, start with something, you know, quote-unquote easy, you know, like CT lends itself very well uh, because of the high-quality, high, quality, high uh, resolution of images. But now that people feel ready you know, to tackle MRI, which is more complex, and they're starting to tackle PET, which is even more complex, you know, from a, um, an image analysis of big volumes of these procedures, that that's when things, you know, start to get really interesting. And as you said, the heart is just a big frontier due to its, the challenging uh, images that come out. Um, so the work we've been um, focusing a lot on is, is understanding how this is all going to play out in the field. Um, I think we're getting past this question we've heard a lot, as you all probably did as well, is AI going to replace radiologists or is it going to augment them? Um, we're, you know, it's still a very valid question, but you know, our approach is to break things down in light of the developments we're seeing, including things like, you know, Sid mentioned, an autonomous algorithm getting regulatory approval in the U.S. to, to, to look at, to identify the di diabetic retinopathy. I mean, that's huge. Um, so in light of all that, you know, we're breaking it down and, and trying to, um, to see how in different contexts of usage, you know, whether it is 
you know, high-volume scenario of, of, of uh, you know, routine-type exams or whether it's the advanced imaging scenario where it's very, uh, you know, sub-specialized types of, of reads and applying very novel concepts like quant uh, image quantification and radiomics and whatnot, we see the different usage um, scenarios really uh, getting at play where some of it uh, is going to give AI a preliminary uh, function of, of an, an initial read, like a screening, uh, before the regular workflow that's human-based comes in. In some cases, we do see a supplementary uh, scenario where AI can rule out, for example, a uh, what it thinks is a is a true uh, negative and have no human look at that. Um, and in many cases, it's going to be, you know, that's a more careful approach. It's going to be a complementary approach where especially the subspecialists are going to juggle with a, a palette of algorithms and, and using that to augment uh, and complement uh, their analysis of, of complex studies. So it's really across the board and there's no simple answer. The other big question that's on the minds of everyone now in the industry is, you know, how is this all going to uh, to pay out, how are are we going to monetize this huge investment we've we've uh, put into this? Um, and um, it's not all about radiologists, really. We're seeing the different players target value, you know, value propositions that cater to very different levels of the the um, the imaging uh, organizations, all the way from you know the technologists to 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 the, the you know, radiology management and hospital health system management, all the way to even payers with medical imaging solutions. Various outcomes and value propositions are being tracked. And to get this to pay off, um, obviously there's a few current uh, you know, CPT codes that are already established for, for some post-processing or for some uh, CAD, uh, but that's not going to suffice. You know, if some some health provider decide to use this code for the AI uh, solutions that may work, but that's not going to be the big big payout. Um, similarly, we're you know at least a few years from having um, the, the the RVUs established for for these um, these types of of applications. So we probably cannot bet on a direct reimbursement approach uh, and a per, per procedure uh, you know reimbursement of the technical. Um, effort as we have for for a lot of our traditional technology, and in fact, is this AI really uh, providing a technical or is it a professional component? You know, when you look at how it's applied, some some may argue it's it's actually providing a professional component in some cases. So, what we think is going to be the reality over the next several years is 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 outcome-based models and really. Uh, being able to identify, prove, quantify the value add that these applications bring and charge, you know, providers uh, a, sh a share of this value addition. So whether it's a savings on radiologist times, where it's a, whether it's a, a profit margin increase on the profitability of images, you know, a time gain, a productivity gain, etc. It's all going to boil down to to value um, addition and getting a cut out of that for the, the, the software developers. I'd like to pause here for a second and hand it over to 
to you, Jalen, to uh, ask our audience a question that's pressing on our mind and which we hope you have a, an opinion on. Jalen? Thank you, Nadim. So today's poll question is as follows. Of the following key image analysis, analysis use cases of AI, which ones do you think will be taken up first in the mainstream market? A, automation, applications for automating some manual intensive tasks. B, acceleration, algorithms for getting through a study interpretation more quickly. C, augmentation, tools providing advanced analysis of image features. D, quality assurance, other tools to ensure a high quality image, or E, none of the above. Feel free to answer the, the poll questions and I'll give you guys some time. Do we have some uh, good answers, Jalen? Yes, we'll go ahead and move forward. So I'm reading, uh, should I read out the answers we got, Jalen, or does it show on the on the screen? So we have 48% of, of you all who have answered A, automation. 24% uh, answered acceleration, another 24% answered augmentation, and 4% answered quality assurance. So I think overall we have a pretty, um, a pretty bullish <laughs> audience here where the harder use cases um, of automation is the one where um, you all think um, is most likely to, to indeed enter the mainstream market. Um, that's probably, you know, uh, a quite optimistic uh, scenario, but it's, it's not unlikely to happen, especially, I think, in places where, um, you know, where there's less barriers to adoption, as we're seeing, like, in, in China, for example. I think automation is on the table uh, in the first phase. So moving on here across our three growth opportunities, the second one we're very excited about, but, but it's, it's, it's less mature um, today. Um, when you plot the imaging workflow, you know, from end to end, going from ordering it, an image and why it was ordered, you know, all the way to scheduling it, acquiring the image, assigning it to the proper resource, down to, you know, analyzing, interpreting, deciding, and ultimately reporting and following up on the image uh, exam. So again, the analysis, step is where, you know, all the attention has been so far, and we've gone through this as what we call the low-hanging uh, fruit here. But we're starting to see across each and every one of these steps across the workflow, some use, uh, some use cases developing, some um, company developing 
an algorithm, some you know early stage uh, application that can improve this or or uh, provide a new way of doing that. I think, for example, the way we've been uh, relying on clinical guidelines that take years and years to be curated and validated, I think that's set to be you know disrupted by AI because suddenly we have a view of many many uh, exams and and and, and the ultimate outcome of the patient that underwent this exam, and we can start using this to develop new appropriateness and, and ordering guidelines. So that's one we're really excited about. And again, uh, some simple things like how to smartly display images uh, for a radiologist on, on, on the screen, so automating some of the hanging and, and some of the, the pre-processing, that, that's all very, very exciting as well. We don't underestimate the impact of these, you know, uh, workflow tools across across the, the board. And this is where, you know, when we're outside of, again, the pixels and the voxel, where we're looking at the process of imaging, this is where it becomes essential to put imaging in its broader context of patient care. And by the same token, to put imaging data in its much broader context of patient data. So here we're showing just, you know, how, how, how diversified and and, and uh, rich uh, clinical data has become, and that's not even showing you know, the whole operational and the whole uh, financial side of things. So you know, this is going to be the essence. This is what you know, the big repositories where we're linking up imaging uh, archives, databases, to other types of data and, and, and finding out uh, the relationships between them and identifying how you know, genomics and and, and radiology correlates, for example, or pathology and imaging correlates, you know, this is where we're, we're going to get into this new paradigm of precision uh, medicine, personalized medicine, and, and, and really leveraging big data. And that's what, what we think is, is, is the key here, is, is integrating all the data together. It's also essential to um, keep in mind as you know, these different applications get rolled out in the market, how, how different the, you know, the messaging, the value proposition, the, the, um, the concept that they defend, how different it's going to be by country. So this is also an oversimplified view of, you know, three key countries, uh, but that's, you know, um, one way of showing how the United States have been all about you know, looking at AI to, to, to improve productivity, uh, to help standardize across the big consolidated health systems, you know, their imaging uh, operations and uh, their, their, the quality across the system, the, the imaging service lines becoming more, more standardized across the health system. Whereas in the United Kingdom, for example, you have a real government uh, embracing um, you know, the NHS has decisively embraced AI as one way to solve the big challenges that radiology is facing in the country. Things like, uh, you know, not, not, not enough radiologists to, to address the workload, uh, studies not getting read on time, uh, patients waiting weeks to get their image done and more weeks to get it read. Um, and the same applies to China, where really it's a national um, trend to, to, to embrace AI across all industries and healthcare is definitely one of them. And, and looking at AI as one tool 
in in the you know the ambition to to get better healthcare access in the rural areas to to um, have underserved populations be able to access higher expertise and you know AI is better than than nothing if the other um, choices have no imaging and no one to read those exams so this is where I think the automation can can really become a reality so a few more words on the third growth opportunity which we are extremely excited about but that's very early stage is where we can safely say today that AI you know deep learning especially is going to be the driver of um, the development of the next generation of medical imaging equipment it is really setting out to address the big technology limitations of our imaging modalities today so it's it's the way that uh, vendors are saying we can solve, let's say, the big problem in ultrasound, which is you know user-dependence and the lack of reproducibility of our exams, AI deep learning is going to be the way to go, whether it's to, to, to make the acquisition more um, standard or the image that's acquired more, uh, you know, more standard. The same applies to MRI, um, where the big challenge is still you know, with compressed sensing, we, we have much better images. We have them, um, you know, out of the scanner faster, but we spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes processing the data. So there with the early move of applying deep learning to image reconstruction in MRI, you know, is also where um, we can start seeing that the next generation of MRIs is getting us a step closer to this, you know, holy grail of real-time MRI in 10 or 20 years. Um, but we're not there yet. We think that smart medical imaging machines in the sh you know, short to midterms are going to do a lot of smart things that we're starting to notice today um, with applying AI at the edge um, is where we can start really uh, adapting uh, the imaging exam to, to the specificity of our patients with, you know, by using a lot of sensors, integrating all of that, we can personalize the, the imaging acquisition protocol um, which is emulating the self-driving car. Again, it's a bunch of sensors looking around and making a quick decision on how to adapt. It's going to be more and more self-driving, and we're starting to see this when we have AI um, algorithms that can spot hemorrhage in the brain, for example, that are going in CT machines that are onboard ambulances. This means, you know, a patient with suspected stroke is being imaged right there, and the algorithm you know, without a radiologist on board is telling us this is likely a hemorrhagic stroke or this is likely ischemic stroke. And based on that, we can drive the ambulance to the right place and save very precious minutes. So um, responding to preliminary findings in images and getting this to impact patient management uh, or automate altogether some emergency reads when there's no resource available, you know, that's a feature of the smart equipment we're starting to see. Uh, obviously, on the maintenance side, there's huge impact as well. You know, these machines are going more and going to be more and more aware of their own uh, health, uh, of you know, able to monitor themselves uh, better, and you know, for us to 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 manage them better as assets and 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 do more, you know, preventative but also predictive maintenance. These um, 
uh, scanners, you know, as they get, you know, as they feed their data into this big data uh, lake that we see as, as, as the, the, the need for, for healthcare uh, in, the, in, in the future, they're also getting a lot of information in uh, from, from this data ecosystem. And so they'll be more and more cognizant about the study context, why it was ordered, what it's looking for, where the patient is in, this, in their uh, pathway, and you know, adapting uh, the, the, the imaging event based on, on that, based on where we are and where we want to go with that patient. And then comes you know, the, the train for the task, which is applying um, deep learning to, to the raw signals and, and getting new ways of reconstructing images with a lot less time, with less contrast for those modalities that use contrast and, and essentially get more depth and, and, and insights from, from images. And that, that's going to be a big game changer. Uh, so with our you know, GPUs getting inside these uh, machines, we can really start realistically doing a lot of, of new, new ways of, of producing images. This won't happen with AI alone. It's about, you know, in our mind, five key enabling technologies um, where uh, cognitive computing and fast computing are two essential ones. But, you know, this connectivity to the outside world with the cloud, this big data ecosystem surrounding the, the imaging uh, equipment and the Internet of Things, which is that, you know, the ability to talk about itself and to, to hear about other actors in its ecosystem, you know, these, these five key enabling technologies have to come together to, to you know, usher in the, the self-driving intelligent medical imaging machine. Uh, just one more minute to touch on a topic that, that uh, Siddharth actually mentioned, which is, you know, we've really focused here on radiology imaging, uh, with the exception of, of fundus, which is not you know, really radiology, but uh, the two ancillary health imaging areas of endoscopy and then digital pathology are the next ones in line. And we're starting to see very interesting developments there. Uh, it's not as big, uh, as dynamic as we have seen in radiology, but it's coming, it's coming along, along pretty quickly. So that's two areas we'll be keeping uh, a pulse on. As conclusion, I think we all agree medical imaging AI is here. Uh, it's no matter a question of, you know, whether it's going to happen. It is happening. We have regulatory approvals. We have, uh, health, you know, health providers starting to buy into them, going from soft use cases to harder ones. Um, it is happening, and I think there's it's no longer reasonable to say, do I want this or not? It's, it's about how, how will I make the best use of this? Um, and that applies to all stakeholders in medical imaging. For uh, both vendors and providers, it's, it's the, the, the phase we're entering now, which is market deployment. Um, it's the time it should, should be spent now on, 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 on refining testing value propositions, understanding the limitations, uh, and what it can do better than we do today. For vendors, it's about refining, testing new partnership approaches uh, and, and figuring out what the, the right go-to-market strategies are. Um, it's not only about image analysis. Uh, that is a big one, and we're you know, in the process of, of doing an, a, a deep market sizing exercise where 
where we, we're noticing how big the addressable market is for just the image analysis piece, but again, there's a lot more to it. There'll be AI-enabled equipment, there'll be AI uh, cognitive across the imaging workflows. And with that, I'd like to turn it over back to Jalen and answer some of the questions that have come in. Thank you, Nadim, Sid, for your insightful presentation. Um, now I'd like to quickly go over some next steps before we begin our Q&A session. <clears throat> if you would like to if you would like more information on this discussion or our GPS to Leadership Council, we encourage you to reach out to us via our GoFrost hotline as well as by sending us an email to myfrost at frost.com. Also, your feedback is valuable to us, so under the rate this button, please provide any feedback on today's presentation. And finally, we encourage you to follow us on any of our social media sites listed on this slide to keep up to date on any upcoming web webinars, press releases, and research. So now I'd like to open the floor up for a Q&A. If you have any questions, please type your questions under the Ask a Question button. Uh, I think we have a few already, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. The first one is, you mentioned your survey is up to a point in time this year. Are you keeping your databases up to date with new information? Yeah. Sure, thank so, you. Thanks. Uh, Sid, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, thanks, Nadine. So uh, this area is like a moving target with several new pieces of uh, information arriving literally weekly. And every conference has some new companies or products being introduced as well. Uh, we already have some 15-odd new companies identified as uh, potential candidates to be included in, in you know, post our June 2018 cutoff point. So we've designed our worksheet to be sort of a living one, if you will, and uh, we will come up with an update study probably at the end of this year or early next year. So that will be you know, updating with more information as we get it. Yeah, really. I mean, every every industry show is bringing its share of new development. As we were um, looking at at the announcements and developments at the the American Society of Echocardiography, for example, just a couple of weeks ago, you know that alone unveiled um, you know at least three three um, players in echocardiography AI that we had not identified yet uh, that used this show to uh, you know, to show their works in progress or even things uh, getting ready to become products. So, you know, to Sid's point, this is a very fast-moving space. So we, we've had to develop this approach as a very scalable and, and uh, evolu evolutive one so to keep, to keep uh, our, our work relevant and, and uh, accurate. Thanks. So we're going to go ahead and go on to the next question. Um, it says, is there any particular AI approach that you think is more promising over others that you would think would be very successful in medical imaging? Sure, I can take a stab at this one. Um, so there, there's obviously very many ways of, of, of describing various approaches to AI, but I, I'm, I'm personally a fan of the, you know, two things. The going from soft use cases to harder use cases. So the technology may be the same, but if it's positioned as, you know, an aid, uh, 
as a, an augmentation, you know, in the first phase, a double check, and gradually, again, it's the same application, but how it's positioned can gradually become harder, you know, towards automation, towards, um, um, you know, preliminary uh, reads that you trust. You know, I think that stands a better way of getting um, more, you know, more fast, fastly embraced by by the markets. It's also a way of you know starting small and thinking big for for the vendors. If you go in with a brute force uh, approach, you know, like there's one company that's notoriously very aggressive and arrogant in the way it's saying we can do better than radiologists. Here's the here's you know a, a clinical trial that shows we beat radiologists. I, I don't think that's the right approach. It, at the end of the day, you know, without the radiologists uh, embracing this, it, it's it's going to be pushback and it's going to be looking for reasons to not adopt it. So I think to get the field to embrace, we need to go from soft to hard and from, you know, starting small and thinking big. Thanks, Sid. Uh, we have another question. It says, what do you think is the biggest inhibitor to adopting AI for imaging? <laughs> there are a lot, um, but none that I think are things that are unsurmountable. I think there's a lot of ethical debates going on uh, that's going to, 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 to weigh in, especially in, in, in several countries uh, that are very keen about you know, data protection, about accountability of healthcare and how we uh, view uh, you know, care for citizens and whatnot. So, so, so that's what I would not underestimate you know the whole ethical um question and then there will be more you know right now it's all a lot of excitement and you know we did better than radiologists at this and we identified things that humans could not but there has to be a, tr a trough of disillusionment you know to quote the, the hype cycle of, of of gardner there has to be you know a phase even even though it'd be small where we uh you know, some limitations start to show from the real-life applications, from, you know, like the transfer learning challenge, for example, is already identified as a big caveat to come where it's about, you know, algorithms that do very well in a, with a, the well-curated curated data set they were trained with, but then suddenly when they get into the field with all the variability in, in, in the modalities, uh, in the image protocols, etc., then you know, the, the performance decrease uh, suddenly and, you know, it's a black box. You have no idea uh, that, that it's not performing uh, right. So there's things where we will have some disillusionment, some some uh, limitations will become established, but it will help the next phase uh, of, of adopting, knowing not just the promise, but also the limitations. And, and Sid, feel free to jump in if you have a take on these questions as well. Absolutely. Okay. Nadim, we have a follow-up question maybe. Uh, Jalen, you want to take that one first? Sure. The follow-up question says, what does soft use case versus hard use case mean? So, <clears throat> yeah, I would use, I mean, I use this word with, you know, quote unquote. So a soft use case is um, is 
aiding is um, but not replacing. It's adding uh, without supplanting. So it's saying, you know, we can help you do this a bit quicker in the way you do it while keeping you in control. You know, that's a soft use case. A hard use case is don't worry about this. Let our AI do it for you. And here's the outcome of it. That's a hard use case. So automation, uh, you know, having an AI essentially interpret a study on your behalf is, is a hard use case, Where whereas, you know, having the AI confirm what you've noticed or helping you, um, um, you know, look, take a second closer look at something you may have missed or suggesting you may have, uh, you may have missed something, you know, these are on the softer side. And that's all very visible on the the claims that, you know, different vendors make as they go to regulatory bodies. Um, you know, it's all about what claim you make, and some of these claims are of the soft type, and we've seen them indeed get approved and uh, become FDA-approved products, for example, versus others that are taking the time it takes to have uh, an indication that's on the hard side that will take more time and scrutiny uh, and to demonstrate, but then when it comes out, you know, it can be pretty, you know, game-changing. Thank you, guys. Um, so I'll go on to the next question. It says, how well do you feel the players in the market understand the difference between analytics and AI? Um, I think, you know, to, to, to some extent, AI is a subset of analytics where it's one approach, you know, one type of technology is used to analyze our data. Um, I think AI on the, you know, hype uh, curve and on the, you know, what, what, what's, um, what resonates best, what attracts attention, probably AI is, is much higher right now than analytics, which is, you know, more a 2010 buzzword. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they can be used interchangeably, but, that, you know, at the same time, I, I do think they're very much linked to each other with AI being a subset. You know, I'd be curious to, to hear others' opinions on, on, on this. <clears throat> Nadim, to you know, follow up with that, you know, I completely agree with you because uh, I remember seeing this, uh, you know, diagram about you know that tries to define the space and pretty much interlinks uh, the data science uh, as the umbrella term, and then you have analytics and AI coming together after you know as branches of that. So it's probably very difficult to separate those out, uh, but yeah, we cannot definitely use them interchangeably uh, for mm -hmm. each other. Thank you, guys. Um, I see one here about radiation oncology. It's a very interesting one. Okay. I'll go ahead and read that one, and that, I think that'll be our final question today. The question is, have you looked at applications of AI to medical imaging and radiation oncology? Are there, any, are there many startups in this space? Well, that's one of the up-and-coming areas, um, where if you had asked this question 18 months ago, we would have said, yeah, we haven't come across much. Knowing that 
all, you know, and, and, and it's a pretty busy space when you look at treatment planning uh, solutions for radiation oncology. We, we, you know, always knew that the next generation of treatment planning systems would be using these next generation image analysis and deep learning and AI. Uh, but the last 18 months is when it's really starting to surface. Um, and there's, I believe, three or four in our current database that we've identified going specifically after radiation oncology, specifically treatment planning. So it's about making this very cumbersome, you know, multi-hour exercise of, of uh, personalizing a, a treatment plan down to 10 and 20 minutes is some claims that we're starting to see. And it makes sense. I mean, with the, the large volume of, of how um, the, a treatment was planned for hundreds of patients, you know, now that, that we can, we know how to extract, you know, cohorts of similar patients uh, with similar characteristics, could even be from their genomics data. Um, now that this is a reality, you know, it makes sense that you can start using this legacy of, of, of expertise as help for planning for your next patient and, and not start from scratch every time, um, you know, as, as the radiation oncology team. So it's a very promising area in our minds. Although it's a little bit niche, I think the impact is going to be huge and saving hours of work for, you know, a very cost you know, very big cost center that, that is oncology treatment. Yeah, to add on to that, Nadim, uh, you're right. We have about three, uh, I think, companies that are playing in this space. <clears throat> I think one of them is, is a startup. Uh, the other is a larger player, and that's the third one is like a mid-tier sort of a player. So we have all kinds of companies at the moment, but yeah, we would expect more companies to come up in the space uh, as we mm -hmm. go ahead. And if we have vendors on the audience today, um, and you know, for example, you haven't seen uh, your logo or you feel our presentation lacked, you know, your vision and perception of things, et cetera. I mean, this is really meant to be um, showing what we've been up to, what we've been doing, what we're um, doing right now, but also to get uh, to keep the discussion going with all of you um, about your 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 views, your input into this analysis. Again, we're looking at a fast-moving target, and probably no one has figured out this whole space, and there's so many things to look for and into. Um, and so we, we very much look forward to keep discussions going with all, all the community. Thank you, Nadim and Sid, for your, your answers. They were very insightful. Um, this is going to go ahead and c conclude today's presentation. We hope that you found the webinar very informative, and if you have any questions, feel free to contact us. And that's going to wrap up today's webinar. Thank you.